everybody. This is Pastor George from Between Meals Video Podcast, and I'm coming to you today because I, uh, a couple of weeks ago, sat down with a friend of mine, Denise Rivers, who is a longtime professional counselor in this area. Um, she's been dealing with mental health, uh, mental health in the church and the school system for a long time. And uh, so I decided to sit down with her and talk about a biblical perspective on mental health. And uh, it was a, a fantastic time. Um, and I, this is the full conversation. We edited it out a little bit um, because she was talking to me and I can be a little crazy sometimes. And so um, the... Uh, <laughs> Uh, the conversation was fantastic. We talked about addiction. We talked about medication. We talked about therapy and questions you should ask your therapist, things you should do before going to see a therapist. Um, you know, we, we just went through all kinds of different topics. It was a really, really great conversation. Um, I hope this becomes a good resource for you. Feel free to share it. It's much longer than a normal podcast that I would put out uh, would be. It's a little over two hours long, so feel free to take this in small bites. But uh, I encourage you to listen, to consider and to think about who in your life, other than just yourself, um, uh, can uh, can benefit from this. Because as as uh, as I learned um, during this, you know, we all have mental health, but not all of us suffer from mental illness. And there's a there's a difference. And mental health is something you maintain, just like your physical health. Uh, and illness is something we deal with because we're not maintaining our, our our mental health. So it's it's a really important topic that I think we as Christians need to be dealing with, especially going to the times that we're dealing with now and the amount of pressure that can be on us from all sides. So I hope this becomes a good resource for you. Feel free to share. And yeah, there you go. Bye-bye. Yes. Um, greetings, everyone. And my name is George Gray. Welcome to Between Meals Bible Studies. Um, I'm here with my friend Denise Rivers, who helps identify crazy people. <laughs> and uh, we're going to be talking about a Christian perspective on mental health today. And we've got all the necessary things here. We've got coffee. We've got microphones. We have peanut butter M&Ms. And uh, now we're just going to trust that, that God's going to lead us in this in some way, shape, or form without us getting or becoming heretics. So anyway, um, so we're going to start with uh, just some basic understandings because people are unfamiliar with this with this with this topic. And I I originally wanted to talk to you about this because it is such a pervasive topic within the mm-hmm. church that uh, I think it gets pushed off to the background as like it's something that's not very important. So let's start off with the really obvious one: What is mental health? Ah, uh, well, I think people get mental health and mental illness confused and then that becomes scary um mental health we all have it's it's a condition it's a psychological uh well-being um you know mental illness on the other hand is you know when illness takes place mental illness such as depression anxiety or anything that goes beyond that that may be even more severe but everybody has mental health um, what are some of the things that we should do as Christians in relationship to our mental health and how we view things that are going on around us? Hmm. Uh, well, I think as Christians, we're left with um, thinking. I'm going to go off a little bit first. Oh, absolutely. Um, because I think that, that we, we, we think that if we, if we just have God in our lives, that that's going to be enough, that that's going to be enough to keep us uh, sane or mentally sane. Um, but then we forget that we are a fallen being and we're humans. Mm-hmm. That's not going to be um, something that's going to consistently be happening throughout our lives as far as the sanity, uh, 100% sanity. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we have to acknowledge that we are we're still human yep. and that we often aren't going to be able to um, just pray our way out of it. Uh, 
And I think that that's a, that becomes a scary thing for for many Christians. Yeah. Because prayer is it's it, it is a part of our lives. You know, God expects us to move. There is some sort of movement on our part that we have to do. Prayer is absolutely, um, you know, vital in our lives. Mm -hmm. But if we don't do something in return, what do we expect? Mm -hmm. Well, nothing's going to, nothing's going to change. And then what is the definition of of insanity? Mm -hmm. Is doing the same thing over and over and expecting something to change. We have to do something. So wait a minute. If I keep doing the same thing over and over again and I'm constantly getting the same result, you mean the problem is me? Basically, basically, that's, that's like, you know, that, that would be prescribing the symptom. Okay, George, just continue to do what you're doing because you're really great at that. You know, you can't figure out why this continues to hurt or why am I still in this boat that I've been in for months on end, if not years on end. Well, just keep doing what you're doing. Keep doing it. So that sounds like you're saying that we should take responsibility for our own <laughs> mental health and that we shouldn't just throw it up on somebody else that that i mean obviously i think all of my mental illness problems are everybody else's fault well sure you know sure. um and i should never actually take personal responsibility for those because i can clearly blame them on somebody sure. else i mean sure. i've learned this from politicians my whole life uh, well and again <laughs> if we want to look at if we want to look at the state that we're in right now it's yeah. so much easier to lay blame it's so much easier to play victim uh, and that's really where we are as it, not not just as watching politicians, but culturally, we've worked our way right to that point where it's so much easier to be the victim and to blame it on yeah. somebody else and not take personal responsibility. Yep. That's really hard because then that yeah. means we have to change. And that also means I think before that change happens that. There's, the, I have to really know who I am. I have to find out what's really going on. I have to admit, whoa, there's something wrong. Yeah. That has to change. Yeah, that's the same way we have to come to Christ. When we come to Christ, if we come to Christ trying to repent of everybody else's sin or you know, explaining to God that I sin because of all these horrible, terrible things right. that people have done to me, then right. there's no real repentance in right. me. And I can't actually expect to be helped in any way, shape, right. or form. Nothing in my life will change because I'm not willing to admit it. Right. That's Well, yeah. and, and and looking at that as, as far as the Christian perspective on a lot of the stigma that really lies with us not wanting to reach out for help. Because again, we look at it as if, you know, well, we should be, um, we should just be praying and God should be taking care of all of this. And, and, and then again, Reflecting back on if we're not doing that, that personal responsibility. Or even worse, I think a lot of Christians, and, and myself included sometimes, whoa, it's a character flaw. Or, mm -hmm. well, it's chemistry. You know, it's, it's, it's this either-or thinking, uh, which we can get ourselves in big trouble. It, there's more to it than just that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Way more to it. Yeah. So how should Christians approach their personal mental well-being? Well, just I think well, like with anything else, intentionally. I think it's if we're not intentional about trying to understand what's going on with us and not be afraid to step forward and ask somebody for some help. Mm -hmm. um, <coughs> because, again, if if we actually think 
that God isn't is going to you know look upon us poorly because we reached out for help. Well, then we're really mm-hmm. not biblical. We're not. That's not biblical. Mm-hmm. We need people. Uh, we need people desperately. We need people now more than ever. Yeah. Now that we've been you know forced to stay away from each other and forced to not be around um, like-minded individuals, Christian yeah. individuals, or for that matter, anybody. Yeah. We have to. Yeah. We really have to step back and take a look at you know mm-hmm. where are we right now? How am I feeling? You know, is in and I think depression and anxiety. It's that's to me. It's peanut butter and jelly. They you can't have one without the other. Sometimes with mm. with anxiety and depression, and with the with what's happening with our our society now, you know, people are feeling those intense feelings of sadness. You know, the ehedonia, which is the loss of of pleasure. Just feeling that ahedonia. Yes, that's yes. an that's a condition. Well, it's it is nothing more than a, a loss of of feeling pleasure. Huh. Um, and and if that starts to decrease, and you're starting to feel sadness, um, you're starting to see you know, whether it's an increase or decrease in sleep, uh, food. I'm not eating as as much as I should, or I'm eating way too much. There's a lot of things that that we have to pay attention to, and be yes, there's one of them right there. <laughs> la, be, la, la. be intentional about it. Be into, and pay attention. You know, God gave us this awesome body, and most of the time, you know, we don't pay attention to it when it tells yeah. us. You know, when when we're feeling um, pain, when we're feeling fear, when any of that, we we set it aside and just try to plow through it you know mm-hmm. so when i'm feeling uncomfortable what you're saying is like little debbie's and <laughs> ice cream i mean i think little debbie is actually a nurse i think because she just makes me happy she just it's like you know it's like little puffy morphine um okay maybe that's not quite accurate but uh, uh so you're saying feeding, feeding your depression is probably a bad idea it's not a good idea it's not a good idea you know, and you and you had mentioned in one of your sermons about food, and 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 actually, no, it wasn't you. I'm sorry. It was it was Dan Mosier. Yes, he did mention. You know how we shouldn't love food. Well, we shouldn't, but we do. I wasn't listening to that part. Oh, no, you missed that part. <laughs> but we do. We have some. Some of us have a very strange and sick love affair with food. And that can go with any other addiction, doesn't necessarily, it's not just food. Yep. I know when I was in the restaurant industry, um, it was to be successful, food had to be your life. Constantly tasting this and that. And when I, when I left that and, and, and got full, full time into ministry, I know it was, it was like, it was like losing an old girlfriend, you know, it's like, but but this was such a fun part of my life, you know. Now, now I gone. now it's now it's gone, and I gone. Now, yeah, and I can't just go to restaurant after restaurant and, and order food. Now, if I want it, I have to make it, and uh, that's that's just boring. It's too much work. Yeah. <laughs> Way too much work. yeah. Well, and it, and it's it's we have to have food to survive, obviously, but it's balance. It's balance in everything, not just not just the food part, but yeah. but everything in our life. Yeah. And if we don't, if we you know fall off balance, we know it. Now, whether we really actually pay attention to it or not is is up to mm-hmm. the individual, but we should be paying attention when we're off balance. Yeah. It doesn't always happen. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> That's awesome. So what are some of the mistakes that you see happening within the church, um, just the church in general? I mean, you've been, you've been counseling for a long time. Um, well, let's start, let's start here. What do you see as, um, things that have happened over the last year with COVID and the lockdowns, uh, especially among the, among the church population, the people that you work with, um, even the students and stuff that you work with, um, uh, what do you see happening, you know? Uh, well, just, I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind is the isolation part mm-hmm. of it. And we're not designed, God didn't design us to be alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and once we, we experience being alone way too much, I think that can take on a whole new life of its own. Um, we start getting into our heads way too much and spending way too much time in our own heads. And then we get stuck in it. And then it's the cyclical. (laughs) But I love my opinion because I always agree with it. Yes. Well, you know, and that's, that's great. But, but then when we have to go out and be with other people, it's not so great anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I think the, the, the main thing that I've seen is the isolation, which will also bring on depression. Um, And, and again, I, always see, you know, with some depression, anxiety is attached to it as mm-hmm. well. So there's that, that huge amount of, of, uh, depression, the anxiety, the lack of socialization. Um, and I see that with, mm-hmm. with students, but also see it with, with older folks too. You know, if, if we're left to our own accord for too long, mm-hmm. It's easy to spin out of control. Yeah. So when we're when we're talking about people in the church, uh, I've 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 heard this for years that uh, you know a real Christian won't deal with fear. A real Christian right. won't deal with depression because how could you have depression right. if you're serving you know a great loving God? He right. would never allow mm. his people right. to deal with depression. It's always driven me completely crazy. Because God is not just sitting up in heaven trying to decide what our next step is going to be. You know, there's a role that we play in our life and in our choices, and our choices have consequences, you know, and those consequences have consequences, and, and it, it leads one to another. Um, but this this mythology, I mean, how do you approach this mythology of a real Christian won't struggle in this area? Mm-hmm. You know, and some people have actually taken to the place where if you do struggle in this area, maybe you're not a real Christian. Right. You know, and of course, that's really loving. Oh, sure. Know? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Well, again, we is any of what you just said really biblically based if we just go right mm-hmm. back to the beginning and we are we are a fallen being. Mm. So we're not immune to any of that. God gave us free will. We still have choice. Now, mm. albeit he gives us the 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 out. We ha- we always have an out. We always have I can do this or I can do that. Um but that doesn't it, that doesn't excuse us from um, not having that choice. We still do Christian or not Christian, we still have that free will. Mm-hmm. So to to look at that and say, well, you know, I should be able to to get through this, um, and I shouldn't have to experience any of that because you know there, our God is a good God. He's a great guy. Well, there's okay. Let's go back to that magical thinking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Yes, he is. He's a wonderful God. 
but once again, he has also given us free will, and we have choices. Yeah. And those volition, the volitional choices or causes, that's most of what um, I see. Um, and those are the the ramifications of our of our choice. When when someone comes to me and says this is going on with me, most of the time it's caused by something that we've chosen. Hmm. Um, Back to that whole personal responsibility exactly. thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, Scripture tells us that no temptation has overtaken us except that which is common to man. Um, I was actually just looking for it. I can't remember exactly where it is off the top of my head because I'm only a pastor and I probably should. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, that's just what happens at the last minute. But I've always looked at those things just as that. When people say, well, there's no real free will in, in Christianity. And I think it's all free will. Oh, yeah. And you can't have truth like that without choice being smack dab in the middle of everything. Mm-hmm. And no matter what we're doing, when I see that, so I've had this, these conversations where I, I, I'll talk to people about that particular verse, no temptation is taking you except that which is common to man. But God will always allow you to, uh, will make a way for you to stand up underneath it. Right. And uh, people take that and they say, well, you see, so if I'm following God, I won't have to deal with this because God's made a way for me to stand up for it. But they forget that you have to make the choice to take the way that God has given you to stand up underneath it. And sometimes you have to stand up underneath it and bear the pain of it, Mm -hmm. you know, at at, at the same time. Mm -hmm. But especially in modern-day Christianity, progressive Christianity, we don't want pain. Oh, no. We don't want to have to make difficult choices that that might divide us. Yeah. You know, uh, I've I've heard this said today. I'd I'd rather divide over truth than unify in a lie. And uh, it's 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 amazing how that works. It is, and it's frightening to think that we have now been conditioned to believe and, and literally trained through the years to believe that we shouldn't have pain. <laughs> and and I mean, it's culturally you see it everywhere from the commercials on television, uh, just in our own speak. Um, oh, I'm so sorry you're going through that pain. You shouldn't mm. be feeling what you're feeling. Yes. Well, yes, we should. There's a reason why we have pain. There's a reason for all of that. It would be like, you know, constantly touching fire and, you know, ouch, you know, ouch. <laughs> we need to have that there. We need to have mm-hmm. the ability to feel that so we know that there's something that we that has to be changed. You know, okay, don't touch it anymore. Yep. Don't yeah, do when that we, anymore. When we were getting ready for this, we were talking about, um, you're talking about pain being that signaling device that mm-hmm. we tend to want to ignore, but mm-hmm. it's actually there for a legitimate reason. For a reason. Yeah. Talk about that for a minute. Yeah. If it wasn't there, if we didn't have the pain in our lives um, that, that God has, has basically given us, then imagine, well, first of all, all right, imagine what it would be like not to have pain. Imagine Not to how, be able to feel physical not pain. Not to feel physical pain. I'd bleed a lot. <laughs> yes. Yes. You'd be yeah. tore up, George. Yeah. Tore up. Yeah. We'd all just, be tore up. Yeah. We'd be battered. We'd we'd lose limbs. We'd lose digits. You know, it would be. Oh, that was weird. Yeah. yeah. We'd be a mess. <laughs> we need to have that same. I mean, the physical and the mental, I tie together. Mental pain, we we also need to have. How are we going to grow as individuals if we don't experience that mental pain? Hmm. And again, it's there for a reason. It's to tell us something's wrong. Um, if I feel, you know, uh, an, an emotion of sadness, uh, it's it's there for a reason. Something happened. Something occurred in my life for that to happen. Same with any other emotion. If we dismiss those 
uh, emotions, we have to have it. We have to have pain. Anxiety is the same thing. That's normal. Anxiety is normal. And I have people coming to me, oh my goodness, I'm so anxious. Okay, first of all, you know, it, it, it lies on a scale of severity. Second of mm-hmm. all, anxiety is a normal thing. You should have anxiety because here's a cliff. And if you, you know, get too close to that cliff, you should be feeling, whoa, or else you're just going to dive right off. Yep. Yeah. Yep. We need it. Talking to Christians about anxiety and uh, it's, it's, it's one of those things where it gets so, it's so, so beaten up. And I've had this, this, I had a couple of scriptures written down. I had this thrown at me a couple of times. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, in prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Philippians three or Philippians four, verse six. That uh, uh, and then they, you know, you you got to finish off with. And when you do that, when you can just not be anxious ever, then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, oh yes, will will guard your hearts yes. and minds through Christ Jesus. So the basic idea behind that is is as a Christian, I should have so much control over mm. my own. Um, psychology, mm-hmm. my own surroundings, mm-hmm. you know, that there's nothing that anyone does around me mm-hmm. that could ever cause me to be anxious enough. And sounds if like I, heaven, George. Oh, sounds yeah. Sounds like heaven. Yeah. And, and by allowing people and their attitudes to rob me oh, yes. of my peace. Right. Okay. See, that's why I have anxiety yes. because I have allowed other people to yes. rob me of the peace of God. Right. Right. And right. I don't. So from a psychologist standpoint, okay. how do you how would you approach something right. like that, that? That's that's like super interesting because then we really have to take a look at what we can control and what we can't control. And and the way you're describing it is is you're you're basically describing that that there is a puppet master and that puppet master is in total control of mm-hmm. of me. And and that's not true. We know that. Yep. So so we have to differentiate what we can control and what we can't control. I can't control you. I can't control your reactions. Now, yep. I may be able to, you know, uh, just affect you a little bit. But for the most part, if we can get a grip on what you can control and what you can't control, I can only control myself. I can control my reactions. I can control my actions. If you do that when you're around any human being... Mm-hmm. You may you may be able to see some difference in you know the other person. You're not controlling them. You're influencing, but you're not controlling. Yeah. So it's getting a handle on which you can control and which you can't control. And nine times out of ten, that's usually when you when I'm sitting down with somebody, and I'm sure you probably experience the same thing. Mm-hmm. Somebody comes in for counsel and they are looking at you to fix the other person that's not even in the room. Yep. No, that's not what therapy is. Yep. Or can you fix my wife? No. <laughs> no, because I don't, I never recommend divorce. <laughs> you know, but you're butchering me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's actually exactly what this verse is talking about. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not not allowing anxiety to come over you. It's just understanding that you have control over that moment. You do. And just just be okay with where you, with where you are. Don't be seeking out this some sort of mythological joy that doesn't actually doesn't exist. exist. Uh, but just find peace mm-hmm. where you are. Mm-hmm. Boy, people hate that. They do. They do. I, and again, I think that just goes back to the personal responsibility. It's easy for us to blame 
It's easy, mm. much easier for us to have that. It's not more victim. fun to blame other people. Yeah. Taking personal responsibility it's rots. Not fun. No. It's not fun. But again, it's 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 fairly simple. Yeah. But it's it. I, you know what? I say it's fairly simple. If it were that simple, I'd be out of a job. True. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot like repentance. It's better when other people do it. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, it's <laughs> like, <laughs> yikes. Uh, that's just, that's just awesome. Mm-hmm. Let me move over to another se- section of scripture. Yeah. So there's a couple of them in here. Um, here's, here's a, a good one. Everyone, everyone loves to quote. And, uh, I have seen more people struggling with this, with, um, on, ironically with their mental health, with not wanting to see a counselor, not wanting to take their prescribed medication mm. and they fall back on Philippians 4:13. Mm. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Right. Which is a using that in 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 the more common sense that I, that I can accomplish anything to my mind is not only a uh, almost a it, it's a horrible misuse of the scripture by itself mm-hmm. cuz that's not what Paul's talking about. He's not talking about accomplishing anything, he's about dealing with whatever gets thrown at you. Mm-hmm. You know, so he can be poor, cold, naked, hungry. He can be all that stuff. And that's okay because he's not anxious for anything. Mm-hmm. Same section of scripture. Mm-hmm. But we use that and we twist it. And you, you see it twisted in the church all the time that, you know what? My psychologist is telling me that I have depression and they want to put me on this to help me get through it. But you know what? I'm not going to take it, even though I've attempted suicide four times, because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. How are, how are we supposed to deal with that? I think they're they're other than a small room, uh, and padded a, room, yeah, yeah, and a jacket yeah. with a lot of buckles. <laughs> yeah, you know, medication that's a that is a, a touchy subject for some. Hmm. Um, and again, because of of the scripture that you just just quoted, mm-hmm. I think medication plays a big big role in many individuals' lives as far as their mental health is concerned, mm-hmm. uh, and should play that role in their lives severe mental illness um and most people Mm -hmm. with severe mental illness and i'm i'm just going to take two um uh, diagnosis just off the top of my head thinking about a schizophrenia or schizophrenia and bipolar disorder yeah you know historically individuals that take those medications don't want to take those medications and there's various reasons why they don't want to take them Mm -hmm. um but medication can be and and is um, and should actually be be in many individuals' lives. Let's take some of the lesser and look at uh, the, the the lesser mental illness and look at should we or shouldn't we be taking these? Mm-hmm. Um, and and a number of questions I think you have to ask yourself if you're contemplating taking medications. Mm-hmm. Because, as we just talked about a few minutes ago, should God be taking care of this? I should lie this all at God's feet. This should be all Him, and I don't. I never should go outside of that. Well, if we lived in heaven, perfect yeah. world. Yep. Aside from the fallen man, yep, that is all we need. We know that's not yeah. the case. Yeah. So when we're when we're starting to look at all right, let's look at depression. Have you exhausted some of the 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 thing uh, certain things first before you even look at medication? Have you actually 
talked with somebody else. Have you actually applied some of those um, maybe new coping skills that that other person has tried to tell you or tried to teach you? Have you applied some of the the, the behavioral or cognitive uh, tools mm-hmm. that have been given to you? And if you have, how has it worked? Well, you know, often you'll hear, well, it doesn't work. Well, it's a scam. It, they yeah. just, just pharmaceuticals yeah. wanting to sell drugs. Yeah. It, it's, yeah. no, all, if we really pay attention to our mental health and how to approach it, medications can play a big part in it. But first of all, first and foremost, what I would like to see with most people is have you changed the area of your struggle? If it's something that's beyond your control, like let's say, and I'll just because this is frequent, you have an individual in your life that you, again, we've already established, you can't control that. Have you learned the skills to be able to maneuver through that? Mm-hmm. It's your reality. You, this is what you live. It's yep. not easy sometimes to get away from yeah. that. Yep. So have you looked at that? And ha- is that something that, that you're willing? I mean, are you willing to look at it? And I'm not saying that individual, like let's a spouse or significant other, I'm not saying you have to leave that person. Because mm-hmm. oftentimes that's not going to be the case. And I'm not an advocate. Mm-hmm. Of, yep. of divorcing or leaving. So if safety isn't an issue in that situation, what have you done? Mm-hmm. What have you done? Okay. All right. So you've you've come to the, the, the conclusion that, you know what? I've tried everything. I've went in to see a counselor. We've talked about, you know, all the new skills I can learn, some of the cognitive things that I can do, the thought processes, um, you know, thoughts, you know, the distortive thinking that I have, none of it's worked to the point where I want it to work. Mm-hmm. Okay. Are we going to go for medication then? All right. But we also have to remember, medication is not a cure. Yeah. At its best, it's going to alleviate some of your symptoms. Yep. At its best. Yeah, it's more of a management tool. That's it. Yep. And then yeah. you're going to have to look at side effects. Yep. Because anything you put into your body that doesn't belong in your body is going to have a side effect. Mm-hmm. So you're saying sometimes the uh, the, the cure can be worse than the worse disease. Than the disease. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's I deal with. I had quite a few people ask me because I talking about things like creation, creation science, the. Um, the, the fact that God created our bodies, our bodies are created in his image, that there's a, there's a, there's a, people get the idea that there's some sort of heavenly perfection in our body. And if we're Christians and God should maintain that level, you know, and that whole old mentality that if you're sick, you there's obviously sin in your life, mm-hmm. which drives me insane yeah. when people, when people go there. Yeah. But there is a, a very serious reality that we are still a bio, biochemical machine. Mm-hmm. You know, and there are mm-hmm. environmental factors, yes. social Bio- factors, really, yep, yep, all this stuff that plays in. And people don't realize that sometimes just being in a bad relationship, yeah. that pressure can change your brain chemistry. Yes, it can. And yeah. now you're altered into this into this state. And every now and then, I mean, if you think about an engine, 
you know, sometimes you got, you, you look at an engine and there's something leaking. And so you don't, you might not want to take it to the repair shop. So you, you, you change your environmental factors. Maybe you get underneath, you tighten something, you change the way you drive. You don't, you don't, you don't abuse the vehicle quite, quite so much. But at some point you realize what you're doing can't fix the problem. Mm-hmm. So now you got to take it in yeah. and have it looked at and have someone who knows a little bit more about these things understand, you know, maybe there's a, corrective prescription that needs to be taken in in nine times out of ten there is yeah there is and and on in we do have to look at um you know many different causes there is never just one cause and i think we like to think that as christians that again it goes back to it's a character flaw or it's just chemistry and there's there's so many things. There's there is the biological part mm-hmm. of it. There is the environmental, and of course the the volational, uh, which you know that's pointing the obvious out as far as I'm concerned. But the environmental piece is huge. Mm-hmm. It's huge. Yeah. And sure, if you're in a relationship that that somebody is, they're dealing with their own mental illness. Yeah. Boy, oh boy, that really does have an effect. A, yeah. a mental and physical effect on you. Yeah, it's huge. We're 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 all connected here. Brain and and body is all connected, and we like to separate the two of them because that's just what we've done. You know, historically, you look at the you know the medical field and the mental health field. We've we've liked to keep ourselves separate, and we're not separate. Yeah, God yeah. created this awesome being. It's all together. It's all together. Yeah. Yeah. It is interesting how much like your, uh, your general practitioner doesn't want to talk to your, to your therapist because, because they don't, uh, you know, those guys don't know what they're talking about. The doctor doesn't know what they're talking about. This is what we do. Yeah. And then we just kind of fight. I like to think of it. That's why it's called practicing medicine. You know, (laughs) it's like eventually we'll get this right. We're going to use you as a, as a guinea pig for a little while. Take this pill for a little uh-huh. while. Let's see what it does. Yeah. Oh, your head melted? Okay, let's try the non-head melting version of it. So it's uh, it's just sad. Well, but, we um, do. Or... I, mean, I think there are some um, medical doctors. I don't want to throw all of them under the bus. Mm-hmm. Um, there there are some that, that do communicate well with you know, the mental health aspect or component and vice versa. Uh, but if they're not... You can see how easy it is for us to doctor shop, um, mm, yeah. you know, to, to, or, or for that matter, <clears throat> doctors are human beings as well. And they, they think differently than the, the other doctor thinks one thinks this way and the other one thinks that way. So one may, may look at, um, you know, mental illness as, well, it is a character flaw. Or one may look at, it is a chemistry issue. So one mm-hmm. is going to say, no, you don't really need to have this medication. Or, for, or you know what, try this medication. And the other one's like, no, try this medication. So it's difficult when you're going out to seek any sort of, of help in that, in that manner. Yeah. And then not to mention, once we've, we get ourselves onto all these medications, we want to feel good, period, because I believe every human being does. Mm-hmm. We don't want to feel bad. Yeah. We want to feel good. So we start to to measure how we feel in that moment 
uh, without the medication. This is how bad I feel and I just want it to be better. So then we take the medication and we start to experience a little bit better, but then there's the side effects. So then we're like, well, I just want to feel better right now on this. You go to the doctor. The doctors, I believe, is no longer treating the the illness. They're treating the side effects. So here, yeah. take another medication. Yeah. And then take another medication to combat those side effects. Yeah. And then before you know it, do you even really have any idea how you're feeling anymore? Yeah. And I imagine that trying to back away from those types of medications can be quite quite difficult when you're taking this for depression and it upsets your stomach so you take this for the upset yes. stomach but it gives you a headache right. so you take that for your headache but that causes you right. to have also it, it, there's it just it just compounds sure but it's... now you've got to find some way to to step off of that mm-hmm. and i imagine that's not something that you just decide randomly no, to stop taking never. all your medication <laughs> never um, um well i think the 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 medication component of yeah. the amount of medications that we take Mental yeah. illness, physical illness, um, over-the-counter medications, uh, hmm. supplements. Don't forget the supplements. Do we know how all of those are going to interact? The synergistic effect that, that they're going to have. Yeah. Are we going to create? So explain what that is. Most people don't understand what, what synergistic effect would, you, would mean. Taking uh, two or more uh, chemical components or chemical medi- or medications and combining the two. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes we end up with a third. Because the different chemicals have mixed themselves inside your body, right. created a whole nother drug a whole on their nother, own. whole nother drug. Yeah. Now, there are some studies that, that deal with that. Mm-hmm. And you have medical interaction warnings. But from my understanding, there's not a huge amount of comparative research as to how these things mix in various physiologies, because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just like a vaccine has different reactions exactly. to people, we don't test it. I mean, there is some testing, but it's not as broad, I mm-hmm. think, as it, as, it, as it should be for the amount that gets prescribed. Right. Yeah, I mean, right. the psychopharmaceuticals are billion-dollar industry. Oh, my word, yeah. Yeah, you, and you would mm-hmm. think that there would be much more research uh, done on that. But with the amount of medications that are out there and the amount of combinations that we can have at any given moment, oh, my word. Mm-hmm. I can't even imagine the amount of, of research and money that would have to go into trying to figure out what we're doing to ourselves. Yeah. So we have to be you know, smart consumers uh, and, and intentional on what we're taking. Yeah. Um, so you would recommend that when someone goes and fills a prescription, that 12-page booklet that they get about <laughs> everything that – using uh, words yeah. that most of us have no idea what yeah. it means, that they yeah. should find some way of understanding what this medication is, you know, what's yes. in it, how yes. how it responds yes. to our bodies, yes. and take that as you, – you own your own treatment. Yes, yeah. yes. So what about the people who just don't want to they're, – they're so afraid of any medication at all. That they they just they just refuse because they they believe that they shouldn't have to take something to uh, to correct the issue in their body. Now these are the same people who will take an aspirin for a headache or a Motrin or something. They'll take other medication, but when it comes to to that, they're just they just they just won't yeah. do it. Yeah, I, I again I got to go right to the beginning, right in Genesis. We are a fallen being. 
we not only have uh, you know experienced the the physical uh, abnormalities, but we have the mental abnormalities that mm. go along with being that fallen being. Uh, and and if if there wasn't all these other causes, outside causes, environmental, biological, uh, volitional, if all of those weren't in existence, then I'd say absolutely. You know, we live in a perfect world. You don't need medications. Unfortunately, that's not the case. We are broken. Mm-hmm. And and at times we do need assistance and we do need medications physically and mentally. Uh, but but once again, we should be smart about and, uh, and educated about what we're taking. And if we don't know, mm-hmm. find somebody that does know. Yeah. And and you know, listen to them. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with taking medications. Absolutely nothing wrong in taking medications. Uh, you know, it starts to get a little uh, gray and blurry when we start taking too many medications. Obviously, we just talked about that. Yeah. But to go to the extreme of, you know, one end or the other, there again, there, you're just taking your life and you're throwing it off balance. Mm-hmm. We can't use those extremes in, and expect that we're going to just march through life and that everything is going to be great and nothing's going to bother, you know, bother me. And I'm going to be just be perfectly fine with that kind of thinking. How can yeah. you be perfectly fine? Yeah, you can't. Yeah. So is is part of the purpose of utilizing counseling and medication um, to help someone kind of get back to this area of more of a balanced mental health? Mm-hmm. Should this be? The counseling and the medication, like I've known people and we've, we've talked about this, people who have been on medication and in counseling with the same counselor for decades, <laughs> just decades. Mm-hmm. And there's <clears throat> little or no progress. It's almost mm-hmm. like there's just not a desire to see someone cured mm-hmm. and, and, and move on. It's more like creating a client base, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it, it that I also know causes some people to not want to go Absolutely. to a counselor. Cause like, no, I know these, I know some friends who have gone and they've been seeing the same counselor for 15 years yeah. and nothing in their life has changed. Right. I'm thinking, okay, so the natural question for me is at what point is it time to, okay, I, I need to see someone else. All this person is doing is prescribing new medication. They're not actually helping me. Mm-hmm. Um, wh- where's the line there? You I know, think- I mean, cause I'm, I'm not a trained psychologist. I don't, I don't, I, I don't, right, I don't know the medic- medications. Right from the start, uh, you should be really talking about what is, what is <clears throat> discharge or, or what, it, what does the end of this look like for you? And, and even, but even, you know, before that, I, I want to ask the question to the individual, what, what is your expectation, um, in this therapy session mm-hmm. or in counseling? What is counseling to you? Because if you if you give me a, a really obscure definition of what counseling is, and you believed that, um, I, I'm hopeful that I can you know at least correct you on that yeah. and let you know that that's not really what it is, yeah. and and it should not last forever. Yeah. So you mean going to a counselor? Because that's how you get the prescription is probably a wrong way to look at it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what are you here for? Zoloft. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So yeah, no. or so, or something else. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. No. It, it, we we shouldn't be going to a therapist or a counselor uh, 
uh, for an indefinite period of time. Now, there are individuals that, that it, it, it's more like what I would, would uh, describe it as maintenance. And that mm-hmm. may look like, oh, I don't know, every couple of months, mm-hmm. um, every six months. She, yes. Somebody, yeah. somebody is checking in with their counselor just to, to am I on track? Um, you know, those kinds of things. Yep. But if you're having somebody that's hanging around for, you know, 15 years, do, I really have to, I got to question the counselor. And you do have a right to switch therapist, counselor. You should be vetting those individuals like you, like you vet a, 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 a you know, a doctor. Mm-hmm. You should be doing the same thing. And some people mix and some people don't mix. But if if you're in that, that counseling um, mode for 15 years, whew, are you dependent upon that individual to you know make those life decisions for you? Mm-hmm. The counselor should be there telling you right from the get-go. That should have never even you know occurred to begin with. But yeah. if, it, if it does, man, you better turn around and run. Yeah. Because they're they're a either incompetent, b after your money. Yeah, well, it is a lucrative business. It's very yeah. lucrative. But again, we should be vetting those individuals. Yeah, and making sure that that we're getting what we're paying for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I almost went to see a counselor once, but then I just started watching Frasier. Who is yeah. awesome? <laughs> I'm listening. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Sorry, I love free. <laughs> it is it is pretty 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 good. It's gotta be uh, my Samantha loves favorite. it. Yes, yeah. so we'll see. I'm stuck on that cozy TV from eight yep. o'clock to nine o'clock. Yep, two episodes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, with Fraser, absolutely. Oh, yeah. That or Mash. Oh, so. I, I watch that too. <laughs> so we have digressed. Yes, <laughs> that's fine. This is what editing is for. That's good. So. <clears throat> With the amount of young people who are experiencing the issues that they're experiencing, um, depression, anxiety, mm. uh, <clears throat> part of me wonders if any of these kids are actually truly experiencing these things or ah. they just saw it on TV and decided they're going to go to a counselor. Oh, yes. But yes. at what at what point would you say for a Christian family, I mean, at, at what point is it is it time to go see someone? And and I'm not I'm not I'm not talking about going to see your pastor, because there's there's uh, as a as a pastor there's there is a point, uh, and I hope anyone who might be watching, uh, there is there is a point where I have to understand that I am not qualified to to do mm-hmm. to to do professional level counseling, mm-hmm. you know I mean I'm, we're here for as as ministers we're here for a certain number of things but I am not a replacement. For a trained individual in this in this field, it'd be like me saying, "Yeah, I can take care of your of your of your bypass. Just come on in the office." I mean, I'm not I'm not qualified for that. I should know that, so I should know that there's there's other qualifications that I don't have. So, as a as a Christian family or or a couple, when is it when is it time to go past friend level counseling and into the professional setting? Oh, well, you know, first looking at what's normal and what's not normal. It's normal for all of us to have um, bouts of sadness. It's normal to have anxiety. When it goes beyond that is when when your life functioning is is being, um, you know, definitely interfered or, or there is some sort of interference going on with that. 
when you are starting to feel sadness over a long period of time, <laughs> that loss of pleasure that we talked about earlier, if that's there, is is there, you know, the thoughts of suicide? Hmm. Um, suicidal ideation, that I think with, especially in, because I deal with, with a lot of young people, and just the thoughts of suicide, um, you know, with or without a plan, you know, I don't, I don't really care if mm-hmm. you have a plan or not. I want to talk to you. Yeah. Just that general idea that there's no reason for me to be around. That you, yeah. yeah. And that you are even entertaining yep. um, suicide. That, that would be something that I would say to a family. Um, okay. I think maybe it's time that that you seek out somebody mm-hmm. because your your loved one is is thinking about this um and and again i think if if we pay attention to those things in our and not just in our own lives but in in those that we love pay attention to the behaviors our behaviors mm-hmm. changing is personality changing well that's interesting yeah so how, what are some things that you would look at as far as like, how, how can you tell if someone's personality is changing? I mean, behaviors are one thing sure. that could be all over the place, Sure. but there's, how do you spot personality changes? Okay. Well, if somebody was always an outgoing individual and really interacted frequently with the family, mm-hmm. uh, and then all of a sudden they've become such an introvert because, you know, prior to that, they were very extroverted. That was their personality, outgoing, always right there to talk yep. to you, always just, ah. I think your red flag should go up. And it's, and I'm not just saying this this is, you know, a one-time thing. Because, mm-hmm. again, that's fairly normal yeah. for all of us to experience those bouts of, you know, the up and down of, of moods. That's normal. Mm-hmm. Looking at your teenager, too. What's normal developmental stage? It, it is normal for a teenager to be, you know, da, 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 da. very mm-hmm. normal. And I get parents that, that are losing their mind. My child won't come out of their room. How old is your child? Well, they're 13. Yeah. They're 13. Yep. That's normal. Very normal. But once again, when you, when you go back to looking at a personality... If that is extended over a period of time, hmm. and, and nine times out of ten, in any criteria when you're going to uh, diagnose anybody, a, a length of time, an onset, something has to be in there, you hmm. know, to to differ, differentiate between normal and abnormal. Yep. So it is abnormal, let's say, for little Johnny to be, you know, isolating himself and and not coming down for dinner, uh, all of that. Okay. That is abnormal for little for little Johnny when mm-hmm. he was always right there, talking, um, always be, you know interacting. It had stopped. Now it could be a number of reasons why, but nonetheless, yeah. I think that we should um, seek some help. Yeah. Take the time, pay attention to the people you're around. Absolutely, and the uh, take a little bit of. Uh, Ownership is probably the wrong word, but uh, responsibility for one another. Well, sure, and I, yeah. I think you just hit it right on the head. It is, it's, it is a responsibility for one another, and 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 biblically, we need to keep an eye on each other mm-hmm. and make sure we are okay. Yeah, we're commanded to bear one another's burdens, mm-hmm. and we can't do that if we don't know what someone's burdens are. Exactly. Yeah. 
exactly. And I yeah. think pride gets in the way sometimes uh, with with. <laughs> Well, with American us. Christians, come on. Yeah. We're all You're amazing. I know. That's right. I know. Yes. I know. I'm a I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above <laughs> and not below. Yeah. I'm I'm lying to myself, uh-huh. you know. <laughs> uh-huh. Well and in the end in the end if you look at it, who are you hurting? Yourself. Yeah. That yeah. is it. Yeah. And then we get stuck on that, that, you know, merry-go-round, that cyclical merry-go-round. And in my head, this is always what I hear. It's like the circus music. When I see somebody's life, and mine included, I'm not going to exclude myself from this. When I start hearing that, that circus music playing, mm-hmm. holy cow, I better jump off now. Yeah. Yeah. What do you do? Yeah. Well. It is. It is. But if we, we, you know, as parents, if we pay attention to our children, um, and most of us, we try our best to, you know, pay attention to that. Pay attention to to grandma, too. I mean, that's something. We cannot forget the the elderly in any of this. Yes. They, They suffer just as much, if not more. For Christians... As we are looking at the people who don't want, who desperately don't want to go see a counselor, mm-hmm. they either can't afford it, they don't like the stigma. Um, in New York, they're afraid of getting their guns taken uh-huh. away because that's a that's a reality. Because you know, the last thing you want to do is tell a, tell a doctor you're depressed and you also own a pistol. Um, uh, that way, the police can come to your house and uh, you know they're coming to take you away. Ha ha he he oh. Uh, anyway, so for people who who are desperately trying to avoid these things. And uh, there are factors in our lives. There's environmental factors. There's our sleep. There's our food, um, physical fitness. I mean, all of these things play into this. Mm-hmm. So how do we approach that from a standpoint of taking ownership of those situations in our lives before we go see before we go see a counselor? What are, what are some things that we should be doing mm-hmm. uh, in order to get our our minds right mm-hmm. um, to the best of our ability at home? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and if if it is uh, you don't want to see somebody for all the reasons that you just gave, um, I think it's it is becomes pretty simple. Then uh, ask ask yourself some of the questions. Um, it, you know, have I have I really owned up to what is what is my responsibility? Do I know what I can control and what I can't control? Mm. Um, have I tried some of, you know, the, the things like, let's just say, you know, thoughts, you know, have I changed my thought pattern? Um, obviously for some of us, we're not going to be able to change, um, some of the environmental things, significant other, we can't change that. But have you been able to change reactions to Hmm. the environmental? That, that's Huge, huge. Mm-hmm. If you've done all of that, wonderful. That's great, and you're starting to see some some things changing. Wonderful. If you're not, mm-hmm. okay, then maybe it is time that you go and and find somebody, mm-hmm. talk to somebody. Yep. And and it, yes, it's still we're going to be looking at. You know, people are still scared. There's that stigma that's there. But if you if you are able to you know, talk to somebody that knows other individuals, therapists, have, they've seen them, uh, okay, then try that avenue. Mm-hmm. It's worth a shot. Yep. Worth a shot. What about other factors like taking care of our diet, sleep, things like that? 
Yikes. Yikes. Again, that's my favorite. And we could probably have a whole new podcast that would last for hours and hours and hours <laughs> talking about sleep and diet and exercise. We're All of this is connected. Every, the brain and the body is connected. If, if the brain is not well, the body's probably not well. If the body's not well, the brain's probably not well. Mm-hmm. So if we're living on little Debbies and Twinkies yeah. and peanut butter M&Ms. These are like vitamins. I kind of vit- look like I've them. seen vitamins the same color, like Centrum, complete from oh, A to Zinc. I know. And these... Don't mistake them as that, though. Mm. You know why these are have M's on them? Because when you put them together, they just go... Mm. <laughs> <laughs> if we live on a steady diet of those, though, if we live on a steady diet of uh, you know peanut butter M and M's, which I'm not opposed to because I really what love if I only eat butter, the green ones because they look like vegetables? Then you're fine. You're fine. I love. There's this. absolutely nothing wrong with that. You see, sometimes you just got to think through the issue. You do. You do. Green <laughs> vegetable. You're good. <laughs> Careful. Careful. It's all good. Everything's good. Yep. <laughs> On a serious note, uh, no, really, if we're if we are living on a diet of sugar, diet of processed foods, mm-hmm. we can't expect that that is going to be uh, feed our brains. And and once again, I think we we separate the brain and the body, and we forget that the brain, you know, controls the body. Mm-hmm. This is an important organ. If we don't take care of it and feed it properly with nutritious food food that comes from the earth not the stuff that's like well it's got like you know zero point or point zero 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 five or four percent vegetable or fruit yep it's like the picture of the breakfast cereal that's nothing but sugar but they put a glass of orange juice oh next that to just it, changes it and off. they say part of this complete breakfast absolutely like Absolutely. Wait a second. The only thing complete is the orange yeah. juice. And that's actually only got half orange in it. Everything else is artificial Sugar flavor. And yes. <laughs> so if we do pay attention to what we're eating, and, and I think that that scares a lot of us because then there's there we have to make a lifestyle change. Yep. I don't believe in diets. I think diets are um, temporary. Uh, yep. Lifestyle change is permanent. And I, we give the diet industry way too much money, I think, where we, when it's, it really is, it's not as difficult yep. as a diet. Focusing on fads. Yeah. <coughs> yeah there's, we, and there, we think that that's, that's because we've lost five pounds. Now we can go back to the life that we right. had before. Right. It's, right. Or work. I love these commercials. Wait, you can just take this pill and you can sit on your couch and you can, you don't even have to change your lifestyle. You can still eat chips and you can like eat a you know, five gallon bucket of dip with yep. your chips. You don't have to change anything. I get 10 or 12 emails a week that st- that are for pills, for diet pills. And all the emails start out the same way. George's fat belly. <laughs> or... George's jiggly arms. And I think they do that to get your attention. Well, they do. Really, it just irritates they me. They do. Because I, like, think they're watching me. And so I just hit delete. You know, it's like, no, no, no. Because if I read it, I'm, I'm, I'm accepting that title or some, yes. some nonsense, yes. things like that. It's just, it's, uh. Well, if they, yeah, they, it's they unfortunate. At- yes, and if they attack you with emotion, man, they gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yep. They gotcha. Yeah. You don't have to be gross anymore. <laughs> hey! <laughs> what if I like being, being gross? gross. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. It's, yes. It is it, unfortunate. It, it, but, uh, it is. It's the, I mean, the truth is, if you, you know, I think back, I remember when I was a kid, and, and I still remember 
you know, my mother telling me, you know, eat right, eat, you know, a balanced, uh, have a balanced diet, Mm -hmm. get your sleep, get your exercise. If you don't know what a balanced diet is, then get educated on it. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I, I'm one of the things we learned in, in in culinary dealing with restaurants is there's a there's a lot of people like to think they like the microwave gourmet, mm-hmm. and so they get these healthy microwave meals, and they don't realize that the the process of microwaving by itself. <laughs> and if any of you have not figured this out yet, the microwave on its own kills just about any nutritional value that that meal has. Yeah. Because it, it, it changes something in the molecular, molecular structure, structure of the water. Yeah. Um, here's an experiment you guys can try at home. Take two plants, identical plants, and microwave uh, a gallon of water mm-hmm. and then boil a gallon of water. And then let let those cool and then water the plants with a different water. Mm-hmm. The microwave water will kill the plant. Are you kidding me? Oh, absolutely. No, it's it's this is this is proven. So it's not distilled like nope. it would be if you boiled it. Not not at all. Not uh, not at all. I didn't the, know that. Yeah, there's there's something about the microwave process that actually changes the molecular structure in the water that actually makes it detrimental to life. Wow. And it does this for any and everything wow. that you microwave. The same thing has happened. So when you microwave vegetables and things like that, you're not just heating them up. You're actually creating you a different molecular structure, okay. and they're they're not healthy for you at that yeah. point. Yeah. That's why, it, like, if you take so if you take a uh, a, a raw carrot mm-hmm. and you pop it in the microwave for just just a couple of minutes, mostly it just blows up. Right. And when you when you when you take it out and you taste it. There's something there's something about it. I mean, anyone who's familiar with whatever you're tasting, there's something about it that has changed. Mm-hmm. And it might technically be cooked, but even uh, actually a microwave baked potato is probably a better example because mm-hmm. people will poke holes in it oh, and they'll yeah. you know put it in a plate and put a little water on it yeah. and wrap it up and then throw it in the microwave yeah. and it never you, tastes it never tastes right Mm-mm. because if you take it out of the oven, technically they're both cooked. That you know, mm-hmm. not necessarily the same way. Dry heat, wet heat, however you want to look at it, but. The, the molecular structure of that thing is now not not good for you. And it's not just not nutritionally balanced. It's actually now a step backwards hmm. for, for what you're doing. And anything you microwave, it does exactly the same thing wow. too. Yeah, it's really wow. it's really kind of scary. But it's kind of, but microwaves don't come with warnings. No. Because well, no does, one wants to talk about okay. that. Okay, so let's th- – does food yeah. too. Yes. Sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have to light it and smoke it, oh, it will. yeah. Well, th- you know, and, and again, you're talking about a, a, a way of you know heating your food, cooking your food. You know, similarly, when we're eating processed food, mm-hmm. and the way that it was processed, we are now putting that into our bodies. And how can that not build up toxins in yes. your body? Yes, and. When Crazy. it comes to when it comes to any kind of processed food, especially a processed meat, yeah. Um, so, like when you buy, say you buy chicken nuggets at the store, when you open that chicken nugget up, if you don't see grain in the meat, meat grain, yeah, okay, then it's not actually all meat. Then it's like um, a filler or it, exactly. whatever. And yeah. all of those fillers, they may be biologically designed, mm-hmm. but they're usually made out of some degree of uh, um, animal aspic or animal gelatin. And oh. they're they're a lot of a lot of sandwich meats 
We oh. think, oh, look, I'm eating sandwich yeah. meat. I mean, this is yeah. healthy. They don't realize that that's actually liquefied. Yeah, that's... And then the liquid is, it's, if you ever see sandwich meat that's in a shape, like a square. <laughs> yeah. Wrong. Have you ever gone to a farm and seen square, square pig. pigs? <laughs> you know? Oh, that one's obviously Hormel, right? You know? <laughs> it doesn't, they're all walking around with square legs because that's where, you, no, no, not at all. Wrong. They'll take the occasional piece of meat, mm-hmm. whole piece of meat, and they'll drop it in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is, if you ever watch the process, it is a liquid that's it's mixed disgusting. with, with types of gelatin yeah. and it's just put in yeah. the mold that gets cold and they can slice it all up. It's dis- it's disgusting. It is. McDonald's chicken nuggets. I can't even. Might oh. have some chicken in it. Might. But if you, if you ever get a, if you ever get a pack of 20, I did this and you start looking, you can, you'll start to find all the shapes that are all the same. You're like, wait a minute. Cookie cutter. Where did where did they nuggets. find chickens that looked the same like this? Like <laughs> that's because you still think it's chicken, you know. But it, it literally it. comes. It's it's like sent out on a conveyor, and oh, they're stamping different can, shape. But yeah. it's like a puzzle. All the shapes fit in with one another, mm-hmm. so it looks random. Sure. But it's not. Yeah, it's um. Well, then you know. Uh, and, and again, imagine, imagine we're putting all of this into our bodies, and and we're not yeah. putting anything that that technically belongs there. Yeah. And then expect to be fine. Expect not to experience. You know, in research is out there as far as sugar, processed sugar, white sugar, especially white sugar. It's more addictive than cocaine. It's crazy, yeah. and and how it plays into our 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 mental health, and mental illness. Depression, crazy. Yep, just crazy. And and again, if I, if if all we're eating is sugar laced food, processed food, all of that, and and barely getting anything in there that has any nutritional value, you can yep. only imagine what that's doing. Not just to the physical that you can see. Yeah. What is it doing to up here? Yeah. To that brain. How do you think that plays into, when you think about the rise <clears throat> of the amount of processed food that was available when I was a kid? Very, Minimal. very different from the amount of processed food that's available today. Minimal. And it used to be that it was more expensive to mm-hmm. buy the processed stuff. Mm-hmm. Now it, the processed stuff is yeah. half the cost of your grocery yep. bill. But at the same time, the rise of attention deficit disorder, Absolutely. hyperactivity in kids, Absolutely. it ha- exploded around the same time. And the food industry went, I don't know what you're talking about. Of course. Of course. You know, so ha- if a parent was asking you about the their, their, their crazy hyperactive kid, mm-hmm. I mean, do, do you do you go to the diet that, right, right yes. off the bat? Absolutely. Yeah? Absolutely. And And if you don't, then I would be questioning... Uh, especially if it, if you're, if you didn't go into a therapist or let's say you went to your doctor and the doctor didn't even ask, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, what's that child into? But as far as a therapist, as far as I'm concerned, yep. Those are the the things that I, I look at. I look at sleep and I look at food. Those two things Mm -hmm. are in my point of view and in my opinion are really, really key to a lot. Yeah. A lot. What if you're talking to a therapist and... You know, and they're, they, 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 they look at your child and the first thing they say is, well, okay, this is obviously ADHD, so we're going to put this on a medication. And that's, they, they haven't done any, they haven't really looked at any of the other environmental factors. Is this a, is this a sign that, okay, so maybe, 
maybe I want a second opinion. Yeah, you might want to turn around and run. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah your red flag should go up. It should go mm-hmm. up. Because once again, we're not cookie cutter. We're not those chicken nuggets. Yep. We have so many other things that we have to, to think about. You've, you've got to think about all of that. You've got to think about the, the biology, the genetic component. You've mm. got to think about the environmental. You've got to think about the food, uh, you know, our diet. You know, is little Johnny sitting in front of the video game all day long and eating junk and he can't even barely move because he he doesn't want to disrupt his game. So everything yeah, is those right thumbs there. are, are oh, I mean, yeah. they're right there. Oh, yeah. 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 And, and you know, that that is like... That's frightening to me when, you know, when that is not, when we're not paying attention to that with our, Mm. with our children, um, that alone is something else that we, that it's another podcast that you can, you know, have, uh, what is that doing to a child's brain when they are sitting there in that fast paced world of that, that the video game and everything is like right there, right there, right there, right there. It's doom, 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 doom. That brain is just, can you make a connection with an ADHD? Can you see where that might possibly start to connect? Um, it is, it's, it's quite possible. Yeah. I looked at some studies a few years ago. I don't know how much more has been done on this, but they were talking about the amount of, um, how early age screen time Mm. rewires a child's Mm -hmm. brain Mm -hmm. to receive stimuli correction reward yeah. you know and and joy in a in a in a way that is almost incompatible with a normal right. one-on-one relationship right. with a person and uh it's it's interesting yeah. we're seeing a lot of the because a lot of the kids that were in those would have been in those studies before are now in college yeah. you know yeah. um uh, uh you know uh, wonderfully telling all of the productive adults in their life <laughs> how they've gotten everything wrong forever right. and how they're going to fix everything even though they need safe spaces and they can't handle a monument um right. but it's it's <laughs> can you imagine i can't yeah. I can't. We're yeah. just going to cancel them all. That's right. I chose to go to this university, but now it must change its name because it <laughs> hurts my little heart. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. And and the government uh, should the government should pay for my student loans because, well, you know, my my four-year degree in lesbian dance theory is or totally legitimate. Yes. Slovakian yes. Yeah, I love that one. <laughs> yeah, that's just uh yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay, yep. Yeah, well, and again, but again, you right back to to looking at how all of that that, you know, the the, the gaming and um, you know, food and all is huge on our brains. And you take a little person's brain mm-hmm. and you are rewiring them. How can you not be yeah. rewiring them? They're growing. Their brains are growing. You know, for the most part, our brains don't stop. At least the the, the frontal cortex doesn't stop growing until we're twenty five. Yeah, ish. I find it interesting. They did a they did a survey of um, tech company executives, and the majority of them don't allow their children to use the products that they're selling. Mm-hmm. Like Bill Gates doesn't let his kid. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, well, Steve Jobs didn't want his kids using thing. Recommended like I think it was his grandkids. One of them. I'm going to get the name wrong. Someone's going to call me out on it. Oh, yeah. Well, they were basically like, I don't want my kids to use iPads. I right. don't want them on cell phones. Right. I don't want them on TV. Right. I want them outside. But they're selling these things oh by gosh. the billions around the world. There's so much study out there on what it takes for a human being to become addicted to your screen. Yeah. They know the psychological part of it. They just didn't, you know, it's not a scientist that's putting this all together. They've got people that know psychology. 
that are putting these things together that put mm-hmm. the all of that what's going to keep us coming back to that yep it just wasn't you know the scientists didn't do that yeah was it was it um was it pavlov that um basically uh talked about triggering a behavior yeah. with a sound yeah it's conditioning yeah pavlov's dog or pavlov's, pavlov's dog. dog yes yeah. and how when our phone goes yes. we're like, we're like oh, what's oh, on my phone <laughs> Someone is trying to reach me and I must answer. Yes, we are. You know, human beings are very easily conditioned, very easily. And we don't think we are. Phone is a perfect example. I mean, we could, I could, again, go to another whole podcast on how easy we are conditioned. Um, Things like social media, when we're talking about uh, people who get, who fall into depression Mm -hmm. And suicidal thoughts because their posts don't get mm. enough likes and they're not getting getting out there enough and like so many sad you know, their friend has ten thousand friends and mm-hmm. they only have nine thousand friends sad. so they're the not acceptance. loved as much yeah the acceptance in how we've we now have uh, really based our lives on the acceptance of of other human beings yeah. and how the important <coughs> that's so important. Yeah. It's pretty sad. Our joy centers. Yeah. Everyone, everyone wants the thumbs, oh, the up, thumbs up. You know. Well, yeah, I got more thumbs up than hearts. I don't know <laughs> why. <laughs> yep, sad, sad to see where we're at. We're, I mean, but this is where we're at, and and unfortunately, okay, you could put yourself in a little box and and just hide out in a closet somewhere, or right back to finding the balance in all of it. Mm -hmm. innately our computer isn't bad innately a video game isn't bad these aren't bad these are wonderful yes they are are. and and, you know and again the green ones they're like vegetables vegetables. the red ones i can actually think are tomatoes well then like like little round pieces of joy keep telling yourself that george It's the reason why I wear dark colored shirts. <laughs> Turn the lights down really low. Yep. That way Dim. I look less like a grape than I normally would. <laughs> I was thinking Barney, but... <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, no! <laughs> well, okay, you know. It's fine. <laughs> you know, I can just trust that I love you, you love me, yeah, you know. It's yeah. all... oh, anyway. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> So would you say that – so from a, from a parental standpoint, um, knowing that these kind of things become triggers and they become become addictive, compulsive mm-hmm. behaviors, mm-hmm. how do – how would you recommend parents approach kids, especially younger kids, to, um, to avoid getting sucked into that trap? Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, there are parents who are well into that trap. Oh goodness! Who yeah. need to get their way uh-huh. out, you know? And and you, I mean, usually you either have a, a, a slow backpedaling or you have cold turkey, right. and and right. kids don't like Mm-mm. to stop anything. No. So yeah. how do you how how do you start? I mean, because you can't get away from phones and things no. like that. And screens. No, it's a they're, part of our life. They're going to be a part of our life. Yeah. yeah. So how yeah. Do, how would you recommend parents help kids move into that in a safe way? But at the same time, parents who are just they're lo- they're lost in it. And they don't know how to get out of it. Well, and in the, there you just you you got it right there. Model modeling that behavior, and yes, if they're lost in it, if parents are are lost in it, I it's 
I'm not going to say it's a lost cause because it's not, but you have to, you have to look at your own behaviors first. And, and, you know, our first culture as growing up is our parents. They teach us Mm -hmm. those things. So if we're not modeling those good behaviors, how can we expect our children to follow through with any of those things that we, we want for them? We've got to start it. Plain and simple. Got to take responsibility for ourselves and, and, and do those things. And then we can start teaching our children moderation. But if I'm, you know, doing this all day in front of my phone and little Johnny's trying to get my attention and I'm just doing whatever, what do I expect from that poor child? do the same thing. Exactly. Yeah. Not only have you just disconnected from another human being and, and, and worse yet, it's your own child you've disconnected and you're really starting to, you know, holy crow, we could really talk about some attachment issues that you're going to be dealing with because you're just not present. You're there, but you're not present in yeah. your child's life. Yep. Yeah. Model behaviors. So you're saying things like maybe having dinner around the table. Yes. Instead of everyone having dinner somewhere yes. in the living room. In front of the uh, television. In front of the television. Or with their phone, you know, swiping. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it really kind of sounds, you know, old-fashioned and whatnot. But I'll tell you what, there's a lot to be said for for all of that. We know it. We've seen it. Yeah. We've seen it. I did a, a little bit of a research on uh, Facebook, just social media in general. The average person spends three hours of mm-hmm. their day mm-hmm. on social media. Mm-hmm. The average Facebook user will log into their account 12 times a day. Mm-hmm. That's just the average. And there's right. some that are way, way, way over that. Right. And I keep thinking, how in the world do people have three hours a day to spend on to social spend media? Up. I know. And I realized mm-hmm. that... This gonna, this just sounds weird. How many people are sitting on the toilet yeah. with their oh phone gosh, in their yeah. hand? Their legs are falling asleep <laughs> because they want to finish that video. Yes. You know, like, yes. oh my gosh, how we are so addicted. Yes, we are. And then I realize I might, yes, I might do are. some of these things. Oh no! I think, I think we're all crazy. Yeah, we're all at at, at yeah. fault of that. But if we're aware of those things, then it's our responsibility at that point because we are now aware. Mm-hmm. To make those changes. If we have an unhealthy relationship with social media, it's our responsibility to step in and start cutting back on that. And especially if we have children. Because we do want to model good behavior so they don't end up falling into the same traps that we fall into. Mm. We always want better for our kids, or at least we say we do. Yeah. Well, you know, if you truly do, then step up to the plate. And it is going to be rough. No one ever said it was going to be easy. Yep. But, you know, is parenting easy anyway? <clears throat> it's not the, supposed to be. No. You're raising a little, not. a little life that is based off of yours. Yes. And they're going to be as difficult as you are. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. But if we just take that responsibility, and, and again, if we don't have children and we're finding that we're sitting on the toilet and our legs are falling asleep and uh-huh. we're all wanting, because we can't get away from it for whatever reason, yeah, you might want to scale back a little yeah. bit. If it's starting to, and this is with anything, if you're starting to feel some negative effect uh, with whatever it is, your phone, your mental health, you know, your, your food intake, whatever, then, then that should be a red flag if you're yeah. starting to experience that in mm-hmm. your life. And, and it may not just necessarily be something that you feel, 
You may not think anything's wrong, but maybe you got somebody else in your world that's saying to you, uh, you know, you kind of spend an awful lot of time in front of that screen. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously they're wrong. Well, yes, of course. <laughs> yes. Don't listen to them. Yeah, they're, they're wrong. wrong. They're ungodly. Yes. They're not. They're yeah. not trying to be no. be help you be responsible or, or anything like that. And they should be not. avoided at all costs. Absolutely. Um, but we should pay attention. Yep. <laughs> in, in you know, in, in, in what happens though, I think with a lot of us is when somebody points out those things that are excessive, we get angry. Mm. and we don't want to own up to. It's yeah. so much easier just to get angry. And then your the anger serves a really great purpose, not just, you know, for you because you're mad that they pointed something out, but that also sends a message to that person, shut up because you're going to, you know, ensue this in me and that other person's not going to want to do that again because they don't want to have to hear the wrath coming out so that mechanism to help you stay controlled is now disabled absolutely because you've you've basically beat it into some sort of weird submission absolutely Mm -hmm. i'm gonna do this one more time because this is gonna gonna recycle again oh it already has uh it says now I'll be able to see when it actually shows. Yikes. Like, don't look at don't look at holy yeah. cow, don't zoom in on me. Jeepers, <laughs> <laughs> George. <laughs> Extreme do close up. Don't do that. Um so let's uh let's talk about compulsive behavior and addictions. Mm-hmm. Because that doesn't affect anyone in the church. Yep. Absolutely you know, not. There's no alcoholism in the church. There's no drug addiction in the Ew. church. Pornography doesn't Ew. happen to anyone. And Never. We all think that these are separate behaviors that right. people with ungodly lives. Yeah fall into because right. you know obviously they're not they're not serving god in any real way right. um but but we both know that 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 compulsive behaviors and things like that they're not forced upon you by some sort of demon they're things that we learn absolutely in, in our in our lives absolutely. you know so how do we recognize those things how do we avoid them early on mm-hmm. and what do we do when we find ourselves in the middle of them you know, and specifically when we get to that part, I want to talk about Ravi Zacharias. Mm, yes, and an, where how someone like that mm-hmm. can fall into that category. Right. You know, so let's let's start. Well, I think you know to to let's start with the first part of it. Um, how to not fall into that again? Balance. Uh, alcohol. Let's let's use alcohol as as the 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 example. There is a balance in that. Can I have a glass of wine? Well, you sure can. You sure can. Biblically, there's it, there's mm-hmm. nothing in the Bible that says, George, you cannot have a glass of wine. That's or right. you cannot have a drink. Does the size of the glass matter? Absolutely <laughs> does. <laughs> Technically, the bottle size. is glass. Oh. Serving size does matter. All right. So now we're back to moderation. Yes, so. yes. You know, 12 <laughs> ounces of beer, an ounce and a half of liquor, four ounces of wine. That is a serving size. Yes. And, you know, it looks yeah. like we're being okay. robbed. Yep. But, you know, <laughs> yeah. When we yeah, don't really. That much. Pour it. Where's the rest? Yes. You're, you're ripping yep. me up. But serving size, absolutely. And in, in, as far as the Bible is concerned, no. That is not, you know, that's not wrong. What is wrong is when we take it to the, the next level. Maybe not even the next level. Let's take it. Let's let's look at the next level, though. Let's look at the abuse part of it. What I call mm. abuse, because there's in in when I look at it, there's like a use, abuse, and then there's a dependency, in addiction. 
Mm-hmm. There's this. It's it's linear. It's it is never just you know just the, an event. It is a process, and it is a linear process that happens to us. Mm-hmm. So we dabble in a little alcohol, and we like it because it feels good. And it gives us that euphoric feeling, which, which you know, anybody that goes into it, I just drink it just because I like the taste of it. Uh-huh. Really? Yeah. Okay. You might be the, you know, the minority. Most people, no. They like the buzz. If you really want to get technical, we yeah. like to feel good. Yep. We do. All right. So we're taking it to the next level, which in my opinion is abuse. Okay. So, so now I'm starting to amp it up a little bit. And now I'm really starting to go into the unbiblical, hmm. where I'm using more to get that that initial feeling that I got, that initial buzz. My tolerance is now building up. Now I'm starting to experience drunkenness. Yeah. Okay, no, no. When we start to get to that point, well, absolutely, we know <coughs> what the Bible says on drunkenness. We know what it says. Yep. All right, and all right, we're on that linear line. We're still cruising down that line, and we've—it's it, it, not like one day you just wake up and you're addicted. Doesn't happen like that because mm-hmm. once again, it's not an event; it's a process. Yeah. So you've you've went from the use, you live some time in the abuse, and you you end up drinking more or using more or watching more porn or whatever mm-hmm. it is. You need a little more, a little to bit get more to the each same time. Thing. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Because the tolerance level is built. And there is a mental tolerance along with a physical tolerance. Yeah. It just happens. Yep. Then you do end up crossing over that line. You hit the point of no return. Yeah. Prior to that, you got a 50-50 chance. At the, there is a point where you can, if you get some help, where you can go either direction. You can continue and you can go over that line and become totally addicted hmm. or dependent. Or you can turn around and go back and live a life of just use. And I'm yeah. not talking about – I'm going to take pornography out of that because that I do not. Yeah, there's – None. Yeah. No. No. Yep. But when I – but using alcohol as, as the, the yeah. example again. Yeah. I've known people my whole life after 20 years in the restaurant industry – we, uh, as a kid, we spent a lot of time in Germany, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, beer is a normal part of the German diet. Absolutely, and uh, and you don't mess with that part of the diet. No, they're, they're very protective of that oh particular goodness, part of yes. the diet. Many countries enjoy, yes, yeah, and uh, you know, in every different part of the world, there's there's some some area of of alcohol. Mm-hmm. that that kind of describes them you get into the south america it's tequila you get into russia it's right. vodka you know yeah. um you get into england and um uh england and scotland and it becomes whiskey and scotch and you know it's and all of these different different areas in the france 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 it's wine you know and then in, in america we don't know because we don't we're know. just drinking it yes um but i've seen people you know, so I I ran restaurants and I ran bars all very successfully mm-hmm. before becoming a pastor. Mm-hmm. I ran a microbrewery, mm-hmm. um, you know, and uh, people looked at me weird, like I don't know how you can do that and still say that you're ministering the gospel, yeah. but they forget that you can't control what you're not involved with. Mm-hmm. So while while being part of that industry, I was also able to to put in a degree of control mm-hmm. and accountability within the, within the midst of that. It was difficult, but it was there. But I've met more people who had to start drinking mm-hmm. at 10 or 11 o'clock in the morning mm-hmm. 
and it was usually some sort of wine or something, and it was their only way. They'd gotten to that point where they actually couldn't function in their jobs. Um, they weren't nowhere near as creative. They weren't as eloquent. The things were di- more difficult to come to their mind. Yeah. Um, you know, people like Eric Clapton come to oh, come man. to mind where yeah. all of their creativity happened yeah. around these substance abuses. Yeah. And, then pe- and then they get clean, you know, and people are like, then- oh, you were so much more fun when you were drinking yeah. thinking, oh, my gosh, yeah. how does it how do we get there? You know, yeah. but you watch people who come in and their their life is about leaving work. Coming to the bar, it's sad, and getting to the point where they can forget their day, mm-hmm. and sad. I it was it's horrible to watch, but it was a it's... normal part of the part of life. Oh sure, yeah. when, yeah. You, when you're working in, in in the food industry, oh my word, yeah, that's just it's a given. Yeah, in the food industry might as well just be called the the alcohol. Industry it might as well be just basically what was yeah. going on there. Yeah. yeah, and and but with with any addiction, it, it's you can pretty much see what's going to happen. And again, if if somebody hits that that you know that point of no return, and then becomes addicted or dependent, the the likelihood of being able to go back to a use mode is probably not going to happen. Mm. It's probably not going to happen. Yep. You've already changed enough. Uh, pathways in your brain um, that if you tasted that alcohol wow Mm -hmm. it's easy to send you right back right back to to where you ended um in your addiction yeah quickly quickly and i'm not going to say it's not unheard of because i don't think that there is you know 100 percent in that but it's very very rare yeah for somebody to get to that dependency part and then be able to go back to that use part and watching people who get who come to Christ get clean, mm-hmm. and then they think because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right. they think, well, now you know I don't have to drink myself into oblivion. I can yeah. just have the occasional yeah. beer, and they find no, no, it becomes this very difficult lesson that no, they they can't no, and know? and and we forget again. We forget even though we've come to know Christ, we still forget we're still human beings. Yeah. And we still are are a fallen being, and there's still other factors that that play into that. And, and it's wonderful that that you that we do come to Christ, but we still have to be very cognizant of yeah. that old lifestyle. Yeah, and and be fully aware that we can jump right back into that at any given moment. Yeah, and there why are they, triggers to any of it. Why any they call them vices? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So what do you do? What do you do when you're stuck in the middle of it? When you're, you know, especially, especially as a Christian and, and I have this conversation constantly that I'm a Christian. I have no addictions. Okay. <laughs> my, my first thought is pride and lying, I think is yeah. an addiction to you right there. Um, because you're unwilling to admit the reality of your life. Mm-hmm. But when mm-hmm. you're, when you're, when you're in a church and people who are even like serving on teams mm-hmm. and they they end up, and I'm actually going to be talking about this more in, in, in other podcasts, they end up not only stuck in the vice, but they end up in this position where they're actually afraid to get help mm-hmm. because getting the help will actually destroy them in their in their church community, which to me is is sickening. Well, it is. It, but it, it is. But it's, it's a reality yeah. of, of, the, of the world it that is. we live in. And um, uh, my hope is that we can do something to... To help people find find the help that they need, yeah. 
Right. You know, and then all, they're all too often too afraid to go get, you know. Well, and first of all, I think it, we have to, if we don't have some, uh, you know, poor defense mechanism that's that's getting in the way of us recognizing that we even have a problem, mm. uh, you know, d- denial is the first, you know, and is the worst, the worst defense mechanism mm-hmm. when it comes to addiction. That'll keep us away from yep. ever admitting that there is a problem. Yep. I, I've had individuals that, that are alcoholics that are under the influence say to me i'm i haven't had a drink in in days yep and you can smell it all oh my yeah and i could I, I you know i was born at night but it wasn't last night yep no it's denial when that is so solid and it's true you look at all the defense mechanisms that we use as human beings. Denial is one of them, and yet we're we're we think, well, that person knows. Mm-hmm. Well, sometimes they no, no, yeah, no. Y- you really are living in an alternate reality. <laughs> I'm serious. It becomes it becomes their own little world, their own little denial that they're living in. Yeah, and I when you know you'd mentioned Ravi, and I know you want to talk about that later, but I yeah. really do believe there was a lot of a denial that was going on with Ravi. Yeah, it's kind of like I know when I was originally battling um, uh, in my own life, the the secret almost became an old friend. Oh goodness, it feels good. Yeah, it feels and you, good. You, as weird as it sounds, I me mean, when you like when you hear people talk about women in abusive relationships mm-hmm. and they stay there mm-hmm. knowing that this is a horrible thing, mm-hmm. but it's what they know mm-hmm. and they, they know it's how to exist in that environment. It's comfortable. Yeah. Well, and and you, like for alcoholics, at, they know, they know their friends, they know, you know, well, you know, yeah. my friends at the bar care more about me than my friends at the church. And you think you believe that mm-hmm. you actually believe that, mm-hmm. you know, but those friends are pouring poison into you. Mm-hmm. And helping you, helping your marriage to dissolve, and and encouraging you to do things that they that no one should be encouraging anyone to do. But we we get this in our head that trying to help someone get better is worse than mm-hmm. helping them just be happy where they are. Why can't you just be happy for me? Because you're killing yourself. You know, addiction is is it is evil, uh, and it does take on the um, appearance of a love affair. Uh, it does. You protect that addiction. It's a good analogy. Yeah. You protect it for with all your might. You will protect it because that has become a comfortable mm-hmm. friend of yours, your best friend. Mm-hmm. Your addiction. We've known each other for a long time. Oh, good to know. Yeah. yeah. We protect it, and we will do whatever it takes to maintain that relationship. And even if it's yep. even if our relationships with humans suffer, we will still protect that relationship to no end. And in, and again, you got to look at the defense mechanisms that we've implored or employed into yep. our 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 being just to keep it alive. Yeah. The lengths we'll go to to hide things. We will. Yeah. So we let's will. talk about let's talk about talk about Robbie. He's a, he's a great modern example. So someone who has had undeniably global Christian influence. Decades and decades, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, it was a little over 40 years was, was his ministry mm-hmm. and or somewhere, somewhere close to that of teaching people what it means to 
live a godly life. Uh, one of his key arguments for a long time was always the absolute moral truth of the Bible. Mm-hmm. But for 10 or 15 years, at least, that we can, that that we we can, know, can of. We know of, yeah. Yeah. he was stuck in this... In uh, like this Jekyll and Hyde life, mm-hmm. where he had developed not only a weakness to to the issue, and I should probably explain what the issue is for anyone who may not know, um, but he actually began to protect and nurture the predatory nature of the issue. Mm-hmm. So, for any of you guys who, who aren't familiar with this, Ravi, then you need to go back and listen to to my podcast on on uh, porn, sex, and immorality within the church. Um, but for, in, for Cliff Notes, basically, Ravi is a global apologist. He traveled the world teaching the Bible, um, but he fell into a series of immoral relationships with massage therapists um, to the point where some of them were categorized as rape or groomed. Um, um, not just sexual misconduct, but sexual abuse. And he did this for decades and, and really went to a great extremes to, to protect it. But I mean, we're not even just talking about, uh, being good at lying. Mm-hmm. We're talking about buying real estate to have a place Absolutely. where this can happen. Absolutely. Um, sheltering money so you can yeah. pay people to, uh, we don't know if he was paying people to just be quiet or just right. to be available, right. you know, and, disciplining people within his own ministry who were actually, who I, I think were actually be able to see there was something wrong here. Mm-hmm. And because they were touching this, 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 this issue mm-hmm. that he needed desperately to protect, that he just couldn't, he actually disciplined them, you know, uh, within the ministry. And, and, and to me, I don't understand the psychology of someone able to write and speak the way he did, yeah. but so willing to not only live the life, but groom people mm-hmm. into the life. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is, that is so far away from, from, it is. Uh, you know, it's, it's it almost is. like, it's almost like schizophrenia, you know, where there's two completely different components to that person. Or disassociative uh, disorder, where you're looking mm-hmm. at somebody that, that has, like, you know, different personalities or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. The layers, though, George, the layers that we're looking at with what was going on with Ravi, huge, just huge. Yeah. You're, you're looking at addiction. You're looking at even whew, even some psychopathy. Um I have no idea what that word means, but it's a really cool sounding word, so explain it. Uh, psychopathy is not, is an area of study. Okay. You know, it's not a mental disorder. It's an mm-hmm. area of study. But just looking at some of the things that we're hearing that, that the, you know, some of the individuals that were involved with him um, went through, you know, the, there was like this lack of empathy. Yes. Uh, Almost like he had a right to be this person. Right. Like he had earned this. One lady he actually referred to as his reward for serving God. And that, like that just, Scary. that blew me away. Scary. Like I couldn't, couldn't believe it. it yeah. And there's, that's, you know, when, when you start looking at, um, you know, the, the, the psychopathy of it or the, some of the characteristics that are coming out, you know, and, and then you're looking at, uh, you know, maybe possibly lack of empathy, um, you know, lack of just 
uh, you know, caring for others, which again would be that that empathy. I start to really look at some of the the personality disorders that are out mm-hmm. there. You know, a little bit of narcissism, a little bit of antisocial, a lot of all of those. You know, put together, and you've you've really made this this individual. But then there was the other side. Yeah. Yeah. How he was able to to again, I'm looking at layers. I don't even know how to 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 really take this all apart because it is so. It's intricate. It is so intricate. Yeah, you've got addiction. You've got uh, again how I I would look at some some possible personality disorders. Some again this the psychopathy of it all. It it's layered. I absolutely see the denial part. Yeah. Where the addiction component is is worked mm-hmm. into that. Yeah. I also again see some of personality disorder where you know why you really just don't matter. It's all about me. Yeah. Yeah. You know to 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 feel that I I am entitled. Yeah. Now do you think and this is just just, just me asking a question because I don't know this field quite enough. Um but in my mind, because all of his issues centered around um, massage therapists and, and back treatment, he did suffer a very massive back yeah, he injury. Did. He did. Um, and part of me wonders if he didn't get into um, actually seeking help legitimately at some point and I'm going sure. to see a massage therapist yeah. and ended up getting into the wrong one that had services that should not have been rendered. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and that opening up a door to him. And part of me wonders... Um, if that brought him to a place where an indiscretion mm-hmm. or an, a, a, a slip, mm-hmm. uh, you know, maybe, you know, for someone who travels as much as he did, if he was just weak at some point in time, sure. opened himself up to that and then realized that if that be, if that got out at all, mm-hmm. it would completely destroy Destru- him and his ministry. Absolutely. And from a, from a, from a psychology standpoint, when you, develop a protection mechanism around that does it make sense that all of the other things that happen all of those other layers of dissociative disorders the 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 lack of empathy does that could that all stem from that as uh, just just carrying that protection mechanism on i mean does do those things link or is that something that he carried much longer and it just uh, opened you, it up yeah I would have to say, and just in studying, you know, some of those disorders, um, they just don't happen. It's just, you know, mm-hmm. I just didn't, you know, unless you yeah. had some major, you know, brain, a traumatic brain injury, mm-hmm. uh, I I would lean on the side of that stuff just didn't crop up. Yeah, I think there may have been, you know... A tendency, maybe, possibly, in there for those things to have already existed, yeah. and then, like you were explaining, wrong place, wrong time. Um, and he's also he's a man. He's he was a human being. Mm-hmm. There's nothing in there saying that just because we put him up on this pedestal, which is our bad for doing that yeah. to human beings. He's yep. no different than than we are. Yep, we are all on the same playing field. Yep, 
But if it was wrong place, wrong time, and because he, he was a human being, and human beings have needs and have all of that that that, that builds us. Yeah. At a weak point, weak moment. I, I'd like to believe that's what it really was. But in in after reading and looking at everything else that goes along yeah, with it. It's hard to see. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I don't know, honestly. I, again, I think there's way too many layers and I don't have enough information to really draw a, a good conclusion, an educated conclusion. Mm. Um, it's just sad. Yeah, it's really sad, but again, you can see how how addiction um, can can truly, truly destroy. Yeah, yeah, the lengths you'll go to to feed Absolutely. it and protect it. Absolutely, we got, yeah. and again, we got to go. I got to go back to uh, it. It is a relationship with with our addiction. We do have that. It's it is a friendship, a, a best friend, a companion, all of that, and we will protect it. Yeah. And like you said, he went to great lengths to protect his. Yeah. Great lengths. Yeah, when it all came out, so many people they just absolutely floor. They could not mm-hmm. believe that they either didn't see it mm-hmm. or that mm-hmm. you know, most people are just 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 floored because they they don't believe that 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 someone like him could have could have done it. And boy, what a what a condemnation that is for us to mm-hmm. th- to think that anyone would be immune yeah. to, well, to to that. It's the only sin, you know, immorality is the only sin in Scripture where we're not told to you know develop a defense. We're told to run mm-hmm. because it you know you're not strong enough. You. You're not. <laughs> you're just not. Yeah. No, and and I again, I I think as a as a culture and as a society, we 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 have a tendency to do that to other human beings, is put them on a pedestal and and, and have a greater expectation on them. Mm. And and sure, that's a big, huge responsibility, huge. Yeah, and it's not it's not fair. No, to, to it put is them not. On that. It is not. And then and then to be and then to shun somebody that has fallen that hard yeah um yeah, is, there's a lot of people who've just tossed everything about him right I out the know. door and it's easy and, uh, for us to want to just cancel <laughs> yeah but I, I look i look at all a lot of how, where i'm at now in my life and i have studied a lot of ravi's uh work up up to this point yeah um in a lot of ways he was brilliant very yeah very. Uh, I just wish he would have been able to live what he knew. Mm-hmm. You know, somehow mm-hmm. that knowledge never actually didn't wasn't able to maintain control over his right. body. Right. And That's... and again, you know, we, the whole crux of all of this is talking about mental illness, and and that's a perfect example, and and just mm-hmm. the the intricacy and the layers um, of his of his mental illness that he suffered. Yeah. Huge. Yeah, because there had to be something underlying oh, there. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. No real way out of it. No. You know, and, and, and I can't imagine anybody that, that wasn't suffering from some sort of, of mental illness and imbalance or whatever um, would be able to pull any of that off and not have um, remorse. Um, yeah. Empathy, again. Yeah. With, with the victims, all the women, and as far as I know, they were all women. 
um, yep. you know, to have, you know, some sort of, of empathy towards them. That's pretty scary. Yeah. They were it's, it's, tools. Yeah. And, and again, looking at some of the personality um, disorders that are out there. And, and as a culture, I think, and this is just my opinion, and my opinion doesn't hold much for anything, but I really think we're we're creating more of that um, narcissistic characteristics, mm-hmm. m- much more. The entitlement, yep. The the lack of empathy, yep. What are some? Now, now here's a here's a good question for you. What are some things? Um, so you got young people in the world today. You got young women. You got young men, but unfortunately, you never really know where someone is coming from for their appetites. But how would someone on the side of being groomed, mm-hmm. what kind of language would you be looking for? And how would you spot those types of things? Excessive um, compliments where it's almost, <laughs> almost scripted or acted. It feels like you're like, Ooh, I mean, that's good, but it's not. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my gosh, George, you're just the greatest. I have never met anybody that could speak as eloquently as you speak. It is just phenomenal. Well, I can understand <laughs> that. Yes, yes. I've had some gooder education gooder. Than, than most people. The book learning. Yep. Yes. Yep. I think if you, st- that's a red flag when, when the, the excessiveness starts mm. to, uh, you know, the excessive complimenting. There's compliments. There's like, George, you're like, you you really do an awesome job when you speak. Yep. There's that. And then there's, and the, you can feel the believability in that and the genuineness in that. As and opposed to me like flowering me over the top. Yeah. Like, uh. yeah. Where, where again, it almost as if I was reading yep. it off a script. Yeah. It was acted. Uh, that, that should be a red flag. It mm. really should be. When an individual may be normalizing um, nakedness, hmm. uh, we're going in to change to go swimming. And it's normal for you to see me naked. It's normal for me to see you naked. That kind of thing. No, this is the, how we were born. Yeah, yeah. No. No. No, we weren't. <laughs> no. When that kind of stuff is actually occurring, and, and again, that may be, sound extreme, but that's part yeah. of the grooming process, making yeah. that look normal. So normalizing, uh, normalizing things that should be, or or making things public that should be private. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, and even having conversations about uh, things that you know maybe we shouldn't be talking about, and mm. and them saying feeling that this is just a normal conversation. You shouldn't be feel ashamed about that. Yeah. It's just normal that people like this. We oh, this is how we talk. Yeah. So people talk. No, not necessarily. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily. We've got to rise our above above our inhibitions. Ah, uh, yeah. No, those inhibitions are there for a reason, exactly. Bob. Exactly. Yeah. Trust. You know, that's there. Do whatever it takes to gain your trust. Mm. Uh, or they, you know, they're going to buy you ex- gifts. <sighs> going to, uh, you know, implore you with those things to make you feel, wow, that's great. This person gives me stuff. Yeah. I feel like I really need to be around that person. I need that person because they're giving me stuff. And oftentimes, a vul- somebody that's vulnerable, 
most of the time, a predator is <laughs> going to f- go after someone that's vulnerable. Yep. They're easy. Easy prey. Yeah. So there's there's yeah. an awful lot of of signs that, that I think if we start to feel uncomfortable, you better go, go with what your gut's telling you. Yeah. It's not lying. That defense mechanism, this is this is there for a reason. It is, and, and, and yet we, again, for whatever reason, we like to dismiss it. And, and, you know, maybe it's because, well, I don't want that person to not like me. Yeah. Afraid of being, um, you know, not accepted. Yeah. yeah I'll, I'll take the non-acceptance over somebody, you know, trying to yeah. do something that... Or they're an authority figure, and I need them to approve of me so that I can move up, move on. And right. Right. Do you really need them to approve right. of you, though? Right. Yeah. Wow. You know, it's secrets. You know, it, it, nobody needs to know about our relationship, yeah. our special relationship it's just between us. Yes. Yeah. Uh, no. No. You know, buying somebody's Blech. secret. You know, to be able to keep them to. Or maintain the secretness, buying that. Yeah. And that goes right along with, you know, that person's buying stuff for me. Yeah. Yikes. Red flag, red flag, red flag. Kind of like when Rafi would give people multiple hundreds of dollars worth in Mm -hmm. tips for their services rendered. Right. And, uh, you know, oh, that's not hush money. I just really appreciate you. Right. Oh. Right. So if I I blow him in, he won't appreciate me Uh again. And, and oh, normal okay. human beings are going to, you know, if we want that to continue, hmm. if we still want, because we're vulnerable. And again, most of the time when somebody like like Ravi or any other mm-hmm. predator, you know, finds who they want, their prey, we're in a vulnerable place. And we, yeah. we will continue to, you know, I, I need that person. Look, I need that money. I'm vulnerable right now because I don't have yep. the means. They're they're going to give it to me. I'm yep. going to allow this to happen. Yeah, our bad. Yeah, and sometimes it's even you're talking about moral issues. It ends up being uh, unintentional on the part of the person doing the grooming. They may be uh, like affairs start this way. Mm. You know, oh, you yeah. get someone yeah, yeah. who you're is right. not. Not getting the attention they think they should, or they don't feel like their partner is loving them like they should. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, someone at work is very complimentary Mm -hmm. and very, you know, oh, this person Mm -hmm. listens and this this is going on. They don't, and the person involved with it doesn't realize that they're in a grooming situation. And while they may be unintentionally grooming somebody else, Mm -hmm. that person is also grooming them for something. Mm -hmm. And it ends up, you end up in this horrible situation. Oh, neither of neither you can get out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and we can avoid a lot of those situations, not only by the signs that we were just talking about, but not putting, you know, an expectation on another human being that they're never going to meet. Yeah. You know, as far as you know, my spouse, your spouse, oh, they're just not meeting my, what I believe, you know, they should be giving me. We're, we're, we're yep. putting that, that person in expecting something that honestly only God can really yep. fulfill. Yeah. And then we're so disappointed when the people in our, the humans in our life yeah. aren't fulfilling what we need them yep. to fulfill. And half the time we've never shared what our needs actually are True with story. that person. True story. Because we, we actually yeah. think that they should be able to read our minds or yeah. they should have this, you know, crystal ball. Yep. Yeah. The, when I, 
when I counsel couples, at some point in time, inevitably, the wife is going to say, well, he knows. Does he? And meanwhile, the husband's sitting there with this blank look <laughs> yes. on his face. And he's like, see, that's exactly what he does when, when we argue. And I'm like, do, do, you want, know. Yeah, do you want me to know what that means? No clue what you're talking about. And he's scared right now because he's thinking that I think that he should know. But what he needs to know is that I know he doesn't know. Yeah, commu- like, well, communication. Oh, yeah. Well, anyone should be able to see that. No. No. That's no. not the case. No, we, men and women are different. Yep. Men yep. and women are so different. And we're, we're different in our communication sometimes, too. Yep. And, and if we don't understand that, then we are in for a world of hurt yep. when it comes to our relationships. Yep. A world of hurt. Yep. When I hear a wife say that, it's like he just doesn't understand how I feel. Mm-hmm. And I ask, have you ever explained to him how you feel? Mm-hmm. Well, well, should I have to should I have to explain that to him? Yes. Yes. Come on, you know. He's a man, you're a woman. There's a difference. Now yeah. I know we live in a society today our culture tells us we're really it doesn't make a difference. But it does. Yep. It makes a huge difference. And yeah. if we don't communicate and we don't tell somebody how we feel, our spouse how we feel, we can't expect then again that it's our bad. Yep. Suffer. Yep. Yep, women think men have have think emotionally, and Mm-mm. we don't. Mm-mm. And men think women Mm-mm. think practically, and, and they don't. No. It's not. I mean, there are exceptions to, to, uh, well, to both of those, but there's there's aspects of emotion in in men because men yep. do have emotions. Yep. I mean, they're not emotionless. Yeah, you just usually have them in a box in the corner. No, that's a great <laughs> place for them. That is a perfect place for them. And women can you know think practically. We can, but that's not. The norm. Yep. That is not usually how we, we maneuver through our relationships with our spouses. Nope. And we yeah. have to understand. That's just the way it is. And don't fight it. Because you're just going to be like, dish, dish. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be like one bruised person by the time you're done. Yep. You know, till death do us part. Yep. You're really going to be bruised and battered and beaten. Yep. <laughs> or one of you is going to shut off in the relationship. Completely. Yeah. When you get husbands yeah. who think they need to train their wives or oh, wives that sure. think they need to train their husbands, Absolutely. really all they're doing is preparing for their next marriage yeah. because, yes. you know, that yes. person that they've just mentally abused mm-hmm. and, you know, and just taken all of the will out of, mm-hmm. eventually they're, they're going to separate. Oh, yeah. And then they're going to find someone who won't do that to them. Uh, yeah. They'll be more aware well, of and the if next it relationship. If, if it isn't a physical separation, it sure as heck will be a mental separation. Yeah. And and you find that in the church a lot, that, oh, gosh, that yes. it, way too much. Yeah. And again, I'm not a, I'm not a proponent of divorce. That's that, that, Please don't hear me say that. But what I am saying is mm-hmm. that mentally people will pull apart. And, and when that occurs... Mm-hmm. Then you are maybe possibly looking at divorce or one miserable household. Yep. Unfortunately. Oh boy, does that happen. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And and you know, in the church we we see these things with our friends and with with our, our fellow believers. We see it and yet we for whatever reason we're like I can't get involved in that. That's their stuff. And it's... Yeah. I care about them too much to help them oh, with their goodness, life. Yes. Oh, good. Yeah. yeah. Now, now you care about them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And and I think there's there there's a balance there. I mean, we absolutely don't want to be diving in headfirst into somebody's <laughs> relationship and making a mockery of it. Yep. 
but but there is a way that we can pay attention to to those that we care about and those that we love in yep. in 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 the church and and be able to reach out to them and ask them and be that safe person for them. I'm not talking safe space. I'm talking safe person yeah. that isn't going to go out and blab to everybody else. Yeah. Hey, did you hear what's going on with so and so? Yeah. Oh, well, we call that sharing. Oh, of course. Yes, that's this Christians bearing one another's burdens yes. without their permission. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> we it still can be done in 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 a way that is not uh going to the level of um you know, talking behind their backs, you know, the you know, so and so's not even here to defend themselves. It's come on. It's caring for another individual. It's seeing that they're struggling in something. Mm -hmm. Or, you know what? You may have just witnessed something that just didn't look right or, for that matter, didn't feel right. You feel, you know, you can feel the coldness. You can, it's detectable. Very detectable. You can, I, I think for the most part, most of us that are in tune with ourselves can actually be in tune with other people and just see some real simple, subtle cues that are mm-hmm. going on. And you're like, whoa. Yeah. Something's supposed to be like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, and again, <coughs> if it's just the normal relationship stuff that happens in all of our relationships, fine. But if it's something that we're watching that's been going on and on and on and on, yeah, yeah I think we need to say something. Time to, time to speak up. We do need to say something. Yeah. And, and, I, and again, I think we... the. The stigma of mental mental illness, the stigma of, oh, somebody knows what's going on in my life, in my relationship, in my marriage. When I, outward appearances look different, we want to make sure we cover that all up. Mm-hmm. Um, I think people are fearful that um, the, the true self yeah. or the true relationship yeah. is going to... It's going to come out. Yep. And then the fallout. People are going to start looking at me differently. They're not going to respect me like they used to respect me. Yeah. The church is going to shun me. Yep. Um, all of I'll that. never get past this. Never. Oh, goodness. Never. Never, never, never. Yeah. Um, Naturally, because you can't, because you're a dirtbag. That's right. <laughs> you should wallow in it. Yep. For eternity. Yep. Where were we? Yes, where were we? So oh. when we're talking about... Mental health within the church, mm. um, dealing with it, uh, identifying it, helping out. Um, there's only so much we can do as as, as a church. There's only so many resources that mm-hmm. we have and so much mm-hmm. capability and understanding that we have. Mm-hmm. So what do you think the church can do, the church in general, what do you think the church in general can do to be more of a resource for people who are in this situation, mm. um, you know, I mean, obviously, there's knowing about what's going, where things are located in your community right, and stuff. Right. But there's there's got to be more to it than just than just yeah. pointing someone to somebody else. Sure. Oh, you're one of them. Go go over there. Right. You know, right. um, here's your yellow star. Get in line. That that you know that kind of thing. Yeah. It's not a. To me, it just seems like we there, there's got to be something that we can do to be more of a help in this area, especially something as important as this. Sure. And, you know, and I think, yeah, absolutely know who your resources are in your community. And, and maybe to take it a step further is to, maybe we need to have a better relationship with some of those resources in the community. Mm. 
So when we are ready to refer somebody, we've we've really kind of vetted them already. Yeah. And then we feel a little bit more comfortable when it comes time to referring somebody to that person or that here's five people or three people. Yep. Know them already. Yeah. I've made the mistake of before of <clears throat> recommending to some recommending someone to go see a counselor that I didn't know well enough, mm-hmm. you know, and it was mm-hmm. this, that situation was sending, this is going to sound wrong, but sending a, uh, sending a couple in trouble to a counselor who's, who's been divorced a couple times. Mm-hmm. That was just a mistake. It didn't, yeah. Their, and, their, their, their whole viewpoint on marriage was completely right. not right. 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 You know, but by the time I figured it out, it didn't make a difference. I it was done. I know. And I, I still think too, even after we've vetted individuals and we've gotten to know who who they really are you still have to look at the aspect of sometimes some people just are not going to mix they're just not Mm -hmm. that's okay that is perfectly fine and it it's it doesn't hurt my feelings when somebody says to me it's just not going to work out Mm -hmm. uh now i want to know why I do because I want to. I yep. want to be aware of my deficits. Did yep. I do something? Did I say yep. something? But I. But I do think we have to also be be super cognizant of, of that. That it's going to happen. Yep. You know, this person could come back to you and go, George. Oh my gosh, yep. you said. Yeah. Well, yes. Now that does not necessarily mean that that person's a bad uh, therapist counselor at all. Right. It. It could also be that individual or like i said they just don't mix mm-hmm. personalities don't mix you would hope that the belief system's the same because when you're talking about in the church and trying to you know refer somebody out you want that yeah. thought process to be the same yeah hopefully they have a biblical mindset absolutely if they don't well then they don't that's yeah. not what we're gonna we're not referring to that person um, but we're all still individuals, and we all still have a responsibility ourselves. I often hear, well, therapy's just not for me. Counseling's just not for me. That's for people with real problems. Right. Yeah. Right. What that says to me, I mean, it says a couple things, but mainly it points out to me that I'm really not ready to take a look at really what's going on with me. Mm-hmm. I'm not ready yet. Okay. I'm like, no problem. Yeah. No problem. Because we're just going to be spinning our wheels, and we might start off on the wrong foot, if Mm -hmm. that is your attitude about therapy or counseling. So, okay. Call me if you need me. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, I get couples who come in periodically, and uh, it's usually the same thing. Husband wants the counseling because the wife is broken. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Where in reality, Mm -hmm. the wife isn't broken. It's him. Yeah, but you need to fix her. Can, can you fix, fix her? her? Yeah. Yeah. No. no. Will you tell her something from the Bible that will make her listen to me? Right. <laughs> no. Well, and again, I think that <laughs> I, I honestly do believe that, that that question that we had talked about a while ago about when you go in to see a counselor, the first thing your counselor should should ask you, maybe not the first thing, but it should be somewhere in there. What is your expectation of this, of me, of the, mm-hmm. you know, the whole process of counseling? In the same with marriage counseling, we have to do the same thing. What is your expectation here, people? What do you, what do you want yeah. out of this? 
And what do you think you're going to get from this? And if it's this unrealistic expectation, then we got to correct that right off the bat. And mm -hmm. if we don't, it's going to rear its ugly head somewhere. It's going to come out. Yep. So it's it's better if we ask it right right at, at the be right at the beginning. Yeah. No, oh, absolutely. So if you were if you could give people just a a simple piece of advice on how they're going to go through. So here here is here are some things that you should just make sure you're doing to protect and guard and and and, and nurture your mental health. Mm -hmm. You know, as like a last. A last word, so, so, so to speak, um, even for people who may just never, ever want to go see a counselor, but they know they should. Mm -hmm. um, what would you what would you tell that person as a, as a kind of a closing remark? I said it before. I'll say it again. Look at what you can control and what you can't control. And honestly, if you can be honest with yourself about that question and fully believe. Mm -hmm. And and go back to it frequently because we're going to forget. And left to our own accord as human beings, we forget. We forget. We think that, that we are the puppet master. Yeah. But that would be my my um, parting gift is, is really uh, what can you control and what can't you control? Mm -hmm. And you can control your thoughts and you can control your reactions. You can once that's done, I think you may find life will start to change a little bit. Yeah. And you can control your sleep. You can control your diet. Mm -hmm. and, uh, sounds like the serenity mm -hmm. prayer. Doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It is. Yeah. It, it, and honestly, if we really started to live our lives a little bit more in, in that realistic realm, uh, I think we could we could probably be a little bit more content. And then the happiness would, would be there if we could just, just be content. Find some peace with what you mm -hmm. can control. Let mm -hmm. the rest of it go because it can't control it anyway. Can't. So can't. why give it authority in your life? Yep. Awesome. Can't. Well, thank you very much for uh, spending some time with us. And uh, I really do appreciate it. And uh, hopefully we can all be a little less crazy in the future. I hope so.